Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. And this is episode 116. Hi guys, so I need to start this episode off with a bit of a caveat. Uh, You may have thought we were drunk during the whole show last week because the audio was off. And that's... That's my fault. I, I take full responsibility for it. I, I did fall asleep editing, but I was also working on a, on a different machine that I wasn't used to, and I had to install all my tools and didn't have all my fun macros and everything set up. So, yeah, the audio quality, if you downloaded it earlier in the week, it was pretty bad. But Argo, you did fix it up later, so I thank you for that. Well, the quality wasn't bad. It was just at, like, two-thirds speed. So, it, yeah, it did sound like you guys were drunk. I enjoyed listening to it, but I quickly uh, turned on the 1.5 uh, speed on my on my player. So <laughs> I made it pretty listenable. But if you haven't, if you didn't figure that out, uh, the, the audio is out there and fix if you want to try that. So Yeah, we did ramble on a lot. We kind of got off topic quite a few times, but... I- I had fun recording. It was a good conversation, I thought. So, yeah. So, um... So what happened to your computer? It... So, let's see. Last... Not this past weekend, but Sunday before, it stopped charging for some reason. Don't know why. All of your ports? You have, like, four ports, right? You've got uh, one of the new Touch Bar MacBook Pros, right? Yeah, so I should, well, not the newest, newest, but the late 2016 issue, yeah. But all four of your ports didn't work? All four of them died. Um, Man. The thing was just sitting on my coffee table, where I sometimes work at night, and the next morning I noticed that the battery was really low. It had the, uh, you know, the little plug-in your laptop because your battery is low icon on the screen and it would recognize when I would unplug it because then it would say I really should plug it in but it wasn't getting any charge and then eventually it died I switched out chargers and things like that and no you, no luck so did you try like your switch charger and stuff like that it wasn't no so I I used my work my work oh laptop. yeah you have multiple okay and, yeah and I also have uh a a thunderbolt dock so a thunderbolt 3 dock and none of them nothing was charging so i made the the genius bar appointment and took it in and the guy plugged it in it's like yep it's not charging and that's that's helpful (laughs) so he asked if he could take it in the back and open it up to see what he could see and i think that was really just to make sure that i hadn't spilled coffee on it or something like that because he did mention that all the water sensors looked fine. <laughs> but they're they're very polite at the Apple store. But in a, I think in a deceiving way a lot of times. They're not going to tell you that they're going to go look for water damage, but they're they're awful friendly about trying to help. Oh yeah, there is a <laughs> a similar Apple Apple store experience. So my wife uh dropped her phone and cracked the screen while we were on vacation and I made an appointment for when we got back and 
you know, being an iPhone developer, I had a spare phone on me, so I put her back up on that, and her, the cracked phone, like, ran out of battery. So we get to the store for an appointment, and I'm like, oh, crap, I need to, like, turn off the passcode and turn off Find My iPhone so they can replace the screen, and if it doesn't, then whatever. Uh, they can do their tests and all that stuff, and I have zero power. So I had to go over to one of the docks with, like, a and like iPod touch on it or something and sit there with my cracked iPhone <laughs> plugged into it. And, I, and the lady from the Apple store came over and she was like, Hey, just hanging out. What's going on? <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? There's people who are trying to buy stuff here. Get, get rid of your cracked iPhone. <laughs> get rid of that piece of junk, you hobo. But, but she, she played it off. Well, you know, I, was, I explained the situation and she's like, Oh, all right, that's cool. <laughs> and then <laughs> left me alone. <laughs> yeah. So, it took about a week, though, and I did get the machine back. I guess uh, probably I dropped it off on a Monday and received it on Tuesday. So, not bad. Although they were supposed to call me or email me somehow and tell me that with a tracking number because the device was going to be shipped to my house. And, you know, you have to be present at the house for the device to be actually delivered by FedEx. And uh, luckily, I work from home, and uh, I actually <laughs> answered the door when when the dogs were going crazy. So, yeah, but uh, I thought it was dead or something was wrong. Like maybe they gave me a a bad uh, new. Mo- they had to replace the logic board. It was long story short. I don't know why, but because of that, the the uh, SSD that is on the board. So they wiped, I got a whole new machine, but thank, thank you for time machine. Thanks, Steve, I guess I was able to do a time machine backup, but I, I had a whole lot of trouble doing that. And I don't know if I need to get into it, but I think the issue kind of boiled down to me trying to do a time machine restore of a beta image, you know, just trying to pull the, the user files and stuff off of it and installing that onto a older version. So I had high Sierra is my time machine backup. And then the laptop I got back was plain old Sierra, low Sierra, whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. And <laughs> so they, they give me a piece of paper that says, Hey, we uh, did a fresh install of the latest Mac OS for you. And it wasn't. It was like three point releases behind. And I'm not positive, but that issue, that point release that I was on might have actually had a problem copying over uh, large USB files. I know in the release notes for High Sierra, there's all these, there's like always some note about something that's messed up about Time Machine. So <laughs> I. I as far as I'm concerned, you're like lucky you got it restored at all. <laughs> oh yeah, I spent an hour on the phone with Apple Tech Support and learned all about the uh, hiking trails in Portland, Oregon, while I was doing some long running operations. It's a good time. I'm surprised they even gave you support running a beta. Well, the I didn't tell them. <laughs> I didn't tell them that the time machine backup was running a beta. I was. It wouldn't even open the archive. It would just kind of sit there spinning. So I figured there was something wrong with the machine or or, or whatever. Because I, I tried to copy it over to a um, 
USB attached external hard drive and my backup was 400 gigabytes and it would get about three hours in and then die with this uh, CPU catastrophic error. And uh, I looked it up and all I could find was some stuff from say November and December where people were complaining about this problem. And I guess maybe it got fixed in a later Mac OS release. I don't know. I haven't actually tried to copy the file over again. So what was the uh, final solution? Oh, so just booting into recovery mode and doing a complete wipe of the machine and loading that up from the time machine backup. So luckily, I think I maybe lost a few days. Like the, the laptop hadn't done a full time machine backup for maybe a, a day or two. And really, I don't think I had much to lose at that point. A lot of the source code I work on, uh, I'm pushing it up to things like Bit, Bitbucket or GitHub. But everything's good now. You're all back to normal, up and running. Yeah, it's just like the old machine again. Everything's still there. My desktop is cluttered up like it was before. It, it's uh, Life is good again. Took all nice. day Tuesday, but it finally got there. So when I did... Uh, get my machine back, one of the first things I did was I had to update to beta 4 of High Sierra. Because so, we got that, was it Monday? Was that it dropped? Yeah, I think yep. it was Monday, yeah. Yeah, beta 3 was, was fairly painful. Yeah, got... This is on my phone, so I was very happy to get a new beta. Yeah, I haven't had enough time with beta 4, but... I... Yeah, there were definitely a decent number of glitches with beta 3 that uh, I'm sure there's still issues with beta 4 the, the one thing that we noticed right away was the reminders icon was backwards presumably because um, they have the icon switching for right to left languages oh. and it just switched the wrong way for by default hmm. you sure it wasn't just on purpose <laughs> It could be on purpose, but if you go into the app, the the check marks are still on the left side, where the icon has them on the right side. So I suspect it's right to left. Just uh, a bug with support. that could be. Yeah. Interesting. And you know that you have the alternative app icons now, so theoretically you could do that do that fairly easily. But they just have the wrong one in by default. It's actually a pretty good use case for having multiple icons. If your app icon actually has some kind of language dependency like that. Yeah, and it, and you know, there's no words or anything, but you know, when your if your dominant side is right instead of left, so your to do list probably makes sense to have the check marks on the right. Yeah, you want them near the text, not far away from it. Yeah. Yeah, I will say. You know, it's a silly gripe, but I really hope the app icon for the calculator is changed at some point. I much prefer the old one. The new one doesn't look finished, but maybe that's a personal thing. Now, now I have to look at it because I never actually look at the icon. I just kind of do the pull down to go to search and then type in the calculator or something if I need to do it. Yeah. It just has like this bland gray background and then a gray and orange calculator 
in the middle and the old icon I thought was nice and and polished where relatively speaking this one just does not look finished yeah it's actually pretty horrible yeah part of it's they switched the buttons from being square to round to be more consistent with some of the other um keypads like the lock screen and phone but i still like the old one much better yeah they couldn't i guess they couldn't keep square buttons on their icon when they're using round ones it just wouldn't yeah. present a consistent message yeah but i also think it would have been fine to keep the square buttons on the calculator i, I think the square buttons were fine yeah but you know there was some designer that said square is out round is in this is what we're gonna yeah. do i feel like they should have gone with squircles i don't know what this <laughs> what usually <laughs> round stuff is this is ridiculous yeah yeah that's true what is this? Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just another argument for PCALC. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know why Apple just doesn't ship PCALC by default. You don't know what a squircle is, Sam? No. Is this something they teach in alternative school? No, no. It's It was the redesigned app icon shape. It's not quite a rounded wreck. Oh, okay. Uh, so one of the names for it is squircle. Gotcha. Android circle. has squircles, too. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Android has the adaptive icon that it could be round, it could be square, it could be rounded rack. Maybe they can even do squircle. Yeah, but a squircle, it, it, like Alex said, it's not just a square with some some of the edges rounded off like at a constant radius. It's uh, it's different. The math behind it's frustratingly complicated if you want to do it on your own. <laughs> this sounds like a, a personal story that you spent many a late night on oh when they first changed it you know trying to emulate it it was hard to get it exactly right so there are a few papers written on on the math behind it hmm. <laughs> I kinda... I'll, I'll put i'll put a link in the show notes if you're curious about future squircle reading <laughs> yeah i'm not but maybe somebody out there is yeah, there were, I don't think there was a Johnny I video explaining the squircle, but there should have been. <laughs> now, if you can mimic his voice, you know, like some kind of aluminium squircle with chamfered edges. Oh, this is getting bad. Well, one thing, one thing for Johnny Ive is I learn a lot of new vocabulary every time he has a video. Things I terms I didn't even know. I yeah, feel so much more educated. Yeah, who knew 10 years ago that chamfer was going to be in our day-to-day yeah. <laughs> usage. <laughs> there was something with the the metal for the Apple Watch, but I can't remember it. But Some, I, Something about that, the process that they used to, to yeah. make it. Oh, man. And i got to go back to uh, Johnny Ive school. <laughs> so, yeah, we got it, Beta 4 for all the things. A uh, few... They're still tweaking, still making changes. Um, so far, it seems to be a little more solid than Beta 3. Oh, yeah. Beta 3 on my phone was just a, a mess sometimes. There were several times when the thing would just lock up and the power button or the home button wouldn't respond. And I actually even have a physical home button. 
not just that fake one that the seven phone users have. And nothing. It wouldn't. The screen wouldn't turn off. Wouldn't do anything. So yeah, I. But I'll, hard I'll say on the seven, time. it never locked up on me. So. <laughs> yeah, I actually had to do the hard boot where you hold down the, the uh, power button and the home button. Yeah, I had, I had the same thing on my seven plus, and it's the uh, volume up in the in the sleep wake button on that since there is no when it's right the software's not working there is no home button hmm. so okay you um you've been using your iphone 7 now for quite some time almost a year and you actually had to use a phone that didn't have that that, that didn't have that soft button or fake button or whatever you want to call it how do you feel when you go back and forth between the two well, I have a test device. I I didn't I haven't used it full time, but the button definitely feels nicer on the old device, but it still doesn't bother me when I'm using it on my 7 Plus. Okay. I know, I kind of like the the newer one better, but it is off-putting when when the phone doesn't have power and you try and press that button, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I experienced that with my touchpad on my Mac. Uh, before I sent it in. It was like, normally yeah. I, I always felt like it has a little bit of give and then you do the the uh, deep touch or deep press and that's when it's like giving you the fake feedback. But it's actually giving you that fake feedback all the time. So I can't really tell with just the normal touch. It feels, it actually feels like a real button click but yeah i think that's why it doesn't bother me that much like i've I've got some kids that uh they have ipads that have probably been discontinued since it doesn't seem like they're making ipad minis anymore but with some buttons that are almost broken they push in even further than <laughs> a regular button so like when i go back to a test device that has a physical button i'm like oh crap is this button broke oh no it's just a physical button it's not the... <laughs> yeah it's, it's different so we also got Xcode 9. I don't know if you guys have spent much time playing with Xcode 9 yet. I really need to put that on my list to do. I've been pretty busy with other projects that require shipping software, or shippable software, I should say. And since it can't ship a, with the beta until September or so, I haven't been doing anything with it. Yeah, but September's not that far away. No, it's coming. Yeah, coming not a lot of time right. left. Uh, you know, beta four. You know, it seems like we usually get around six, six to eight betas before final. So, yeah, we're not too far away. Yeah, it's September is September is definitely creeping up on us. We were we shipped some app updates the other day. And then we realized we had not yet filled in the new subtitle field that we have. And it seems like it's one of those fields where if you don't fill it in, you're just kind of losing out on SEO. Uh, so we ended up rejecting all of our apps <laughs> and resubmitting so we could fill that field in just, just for the fact that we didn't know if we would submit another app before iOS 11 launching. Do you know, is the subtitle on the App Store description, is that searchable or do it you know searchable. how it ranks it, like, it does affect uh, the in beta 4 it does affect the 
the App Store search ranking. It's you get thirty characters, and uh, there is another app that we looked at that uh, already had it in there, and you could definitely tell that it affected its search ranking. I think Apple mentioned in one of their videos too that it's it affects search ranking. Um, but I mean the whole the whole thought behind it was you know people were putting these subtitles in their app names and coming up with these really long ridiculous app names anyway so they just made it an official thing so that everyone kind of has the opportunity to do it and they i think we get like 20 some odd characters now for the main app name and then you get 30 for the subtitle rather than like 60 for everything together so it's about the same amount of real estate but it's split up differently okay yeah, i actually got a uh, ticket today to improve the seo ranking of an app and i was thinking the there's the product name and then there's the company name and they want it to be a little bit more discoverable by company name so the subtitle seemed like a good place to do that well yeah back before we had the explicit subtitle i was always like oh maybe we should put you know app name by a star software uh in the app name but now that it's a subtitle that didn't seem like a right thing to put in there but if you want people to search on your company name i think it makes sense that's just not a search term that we thought many people would be looking for for us in this scenario the company name and the product name is easily confused just because they only have one product so it's kind of like kleenex if you will like you know instead of tissue paper people search for kleenex you know that kind of thing um Okay, that's good to know. I actually spent a little bit of time trying out the migration from Swift 3 to Swift 4 on a sizable project, one that I not so long ago converted to Swift 3. And the Swift 3 probably took, you know, I tried it a few times in beta, held off, and finally did it over the course of several days. Uh, The Swift 4 migration was a lot less pain, but it still still was a few hours. Um, the migrator, for the most part, did things fairly reasonably. There were a couple like minor buggy things uh, that hopefully will get fixed. Um, you know where where I had like an old value equals new value uh, type of scenario where for some reason it changed old value to NS object. So that was kind of weird. Um, and then the only other thing was the inference for the at opc uh, annotation when you're calling Swift code from Objective-C. Uh, that's now a warning. So I had to go through and anywhere I had an API, you know, functions, properties, whatever being called from Objective-C that's in Swift, I had to explicitly put the at opt-c. So if you're like uh, someone who's making a, a library that other people use, like a third-party library, would it make sense for you to throw opsi keyword all over your your swift classes or i guess there's penalties to doing that too 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. You know, I I think a lot of people take the strategy of creating a header file for Objective C um, compatibility. I haven't really looked at it from that perspective too closely. Well, yeah. If, if you're just doing it for your own code, you don't have to worry yeah. about that. Yeah. So if you're going to call it, then you can change it yourself. But if it's a third party library, then if you want uh, someone else to be able to call it and do yeah. weird Objective C stuff, then. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you want it to be compatible with Objective-C, you, you know you're going to have to put some thought into that. And I, I'm just kind of reading between the lines. I think the idea is being more explicit about the fact that you intend for it to be accessible to Objective-C so you don't accidentally call something that you really shouldn't, that you didn't really intend it to be used that way from Objective-C. But why should it? Why does it matter though? Well, Other than I, like the dynamic stuff that has like performance impacts. Well, I'm kind of going from the other direction of like, you know, maybe if you have an enum with an associated value, I don't know if the compiler will catch that or not. It probably will. I guess you know you would have had to the enum would have had to be accessible to Objective C. I don't know. I think it all kind of comes down to be more explicit with your code about what you intended that you intended to be used from objective C and you know there may be scenarios where you didn't you don't intend that to happen I don't know that may be a stretch it's like but, maybe they learned something from JavaScript yeah so I had probably 200 warnings because I've got a healthy mix of objective C and Swift code so uh, that was the the major effort on the migration everything else was pretty straightforward and you know that was more just not wanting any warnings in the project you know try and keep that as clean as possible interesting so do any of you guys do anything with uh, share extensions in your apps we're talking about where uh, an app can receive data from another yeah yeah, I guess that's my question because there's that new Xcode 9 feature I just saw uh, where you can now from Mac OS, uh, when you do the little share button on a file or something, you, the simulator is an option, which seems like if you are doing something where your app can receive something that's super useful. Yeah, no, I've only ever worked with setting up actual share sheets yeah so you've only gone the other way right yeah it seems like if you if you are dealing with other apps being able to send stuff to you this is super useful right so i'm sure it's helpful to some someone i just don't know who <laughs> yeah i started to go down that path for a feature we were implementing but kind of realized it wasn't going to be a common use case and um switched to a different strategy with document providers Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the more versatile ways to go, right? If you're opening something, a document, and that thing can be synced up to iCloud, and then the person could open that same document on their laptop if they needed to. Right. Or Yeah, it seemed unlikely that they'd have what they wanted in an open in another app in this particular scenario. 
and want to share it directly to the app that we are working on, uh, say more likely that they'd have it in in something like I, iCloud. Gotcha. That makes sense. Hmm. So do we have any more Apple stuff to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of a slow week. You know, you're everybody's gearing up for the new releases. A lot of speculation about new iPhones, but in terms of news, you know, people are still digesting the new bits and um, people. You know, we'll kind of wait and see what people do with it. People are on their summer vacations trying to enjoy what what time they have before they have to update their apps. Oh, I th- or they're rapidly trying to update their apps and <laughs> get to the app store in time for take advantage of you know some new feature that Apple is going to feature. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of AR apps on the App Store, I'm pretty sure, when it comes out. I don't know about you guys, but uh, there's this video I saw on Twitter where I had my aha moment uh, about (laughs) AR apps. I'll put a link to the video of the app in the show note, but this is going to be killer, this stuff. (laughs) We actually showed one of the ruler apps when we were talking to a client, a a local startup and they actually got really excited about that because <laughs> no. it was actually they actually had a pretty valid business case so it was it was just kind of funny that it's like oh yeah a ruler app that's perfect like, we <laughs> well, there's an open source one out there now if you want to create your own ruler app like yeah. uh, we can totally tell but, if this couch will fit through that door or not yeah yeah, it was kind of like one of those scenarios, yeah. So, like, being able to deal with the fact that humans are not good at measuring visually. They're they're okay at comparing, but uh, we're horrible at estimating. Well, so. it's, it's why the moon looks so big when it's against the horizon. Yeah, we're terrible. It's I think we're terrible compar- at comparisons as much as we are measuring. Yeah. Not sure. It's it's the estimating. I didn't mean measurements. It's the estimating. Okay. Yeah, we can say yes, this is bigger than that, but we're not so good at saying yeah, that looks like uh, five hundred miles wide. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Some so, people are good at that, but I guess most people aren't. <laughs> yeah. So there is an interesting it, uh, human behavioral study or or cognitive study, I guess you would call it. Where if you had a bunch of people picking random numbers out of a, a jar or something, and then you ask them how many countries in Africa make up, or what's the question? How many how many countries in the UN are from Africa? And if the people had picked a larger number out of the hat, they would guess a higher number. So there's this kind of association. Like your mind is already geared towards a higher number because you picked, you were primed with this number. But if you picked a lower number, those people on on the whole would actually guess a lower number. But the numbers weren't related at all. No. What was the, what what was the number in the hat supposed to be for? It was purely to make bias. them, yeah, give them bias. It was like pick this number out of the hat, and then we're going to ask you a question. Right. Okay. Pick, hmm. pick this number. Interesting. And then what it was, they looked at their number, and then if it was, say, like a large number, they would guess larger. 
So you, this this whole this trick works a lot too. If you want to get somebody to uh, sign on to your idea, you start talking about things in the future, far down the road, and then you start talking about your idea because then it gets people thinking more forwardly than what's going to happen the next day or the the next week. Interesting. Yeah, fun stuff. Um, get a lot of that information out of the Freakonomics podcast. They're they're into the whole behavioral economics theory. So, yeah, that's my uh, non-iOS stuff to go out on tonight. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Well, yeah. I think that's about all the time we have left this week, so why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the Internet? And you can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And I'm at Sam Quarter can find me at alex argo and the podcast is at shared inst if you want to join us in slack and chat about all the new stuff that's going to happen in the future or the betas or anything uh go to chat.sharedinstance.com to get an invite and we'll talk to you guys later all right later